Welcome to Brain Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brain Stuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Some of the biggest, richest, and smartest companies in the world have a long track record of spectacular fails. Remember Google Glass? Time magazine named the augmented reality eyewear one of the best inventions of 2012, but the public strongly disagreed and decried its wearers as uh, glass holes. And Apple, arguably the most successful technology company in the world, was also the creator of the doomed Newton, a clunky touchscreen PDA from the late 1990s. Uh, Plus, during the same time period, a $600 gaming console called Pippin that absolutely no one bought. For the article this episode is based on, HowStuffWorks spoke with Samuel West, Ph.D., an organizational psychologist and the founder and curator of the Museum of Failure, a touring collection of product flops and fiascos. According to him, it may be easy to laugh at the misfortunes of billionaires, but it's also instructive. He said, We need to accept failure if we want progress and innovation. You can't have innovation or progress without taking meaningful risks. And as soon as you try to be innovative, there's going to be failure. There's no way around it. For every iPhone, Oculus, and Netflix, the Museum of Failure reminds us that there was an Amazon Fire phone, a Nintendo Virtual Boy, and a Blockbuster Video. You can't hit a home run without taking a swing, and it's okay if some of those swings are full-blown whiffs. When West launched the first Museum of Failure exhibit in Sweden in 2017, he wanted to show corporations and organizations that failure itself isn't bad. He'd noticed companies were averse to taking the kind of risks that can lead to very successful innovations. The only real failure, he notes, is failing to learn from your mistakes and adapt, a popular engineering concept known as failing forward. But what surprised West was how much the general public embraced the museum's message. He said, People felt liberated. They'd see all of these big, bad multinationals with all of their resources and knowledge and realize, if they can foul up, so can I. The Museum of Failure has dug up some true technological turkeys that should never have existed. Take the Twitter Peak. This was a $200 device released in 2009 that did one thing, access Twitter. You might be asking, wasn't there already a Twitter app for smartphones in 2009? Yep. And wasn't it free? Also, yep. So why would anyone pay for a second handheld device just to read and send tweets? They didn't, as it turned out. Or take Google TV. It was ahead of its time, though not in a good way. Back in 2010, the search giant knew that we'd be streaming YouTube and movies on the small screen. But Google's TV execution was clunky. The technology just wasn't ready for prime time. Exhibit A is the Sony Google TV remote, which included a staggering 88 buttons. The Museum of Failure features a fair share of food and beverage fails, too. The 1985 release of New Coke was one of the most famous marketing disasters in recorded history. Even the Coca-Cola company admits that it was foolish to mess with the 99-year-old formula for its flagship soda, even if hundreds of thousands of taste testers said that they preferred the new flavor. The product only lasted a few months before Coca-Cola bowed to public outcry and reintroduced the classic taste. But let's not forget about some other high-profile food and beverage blunders. Remember Crystal Pepsi? 
a Coke's rival tried to capitalize on the clear and natural craze of the 90s with a clear cola. Why did it flop? A former Pepsi COO, David Novak, said in a 2007 interview with Fast Company, it would have been nice if I'd made sure the product tasted good. Another food fad from the 90s was Olestra, the magic ingredient in fat-free, low-calorie versions of snack foods like Pringles, Lay's, Ruffles, and Doritos. Procter & Gamble spent decades and hundreds of millions of dollars developing an artificial fat that tasted just like the real thing, but wasn't absorbed by the digestive tract. Unfortunately, the science of Olestra backfired, uh, literally, uh, leading to unpleasant side effects ranging from painful gas to urgent diarrhea. West might giggle at fumbles like Google Glass and Google Wave, which was an early and overly complicated version of Slack, but says he has nothing but respect for what he calls Google's evolutionary approach to innovation, basically investing tons of resources into hundreds of new ideas and seeing what sticks. In evolution, generally, only the beneficial mutations are passed on, and so it is with innovation. The bad ideas either go extinct or are folded back into the gene pool for a new and improved development later. If you want a lesson in failing forward, check out the Google Graveyard, a comprehensive list of every single Google product and service that's been killed since 2001, all 264 of them. You can find it at killedbygoogle.com. So before you let your own dreams get derailed by a minor setback or a major flop, consider this quote from Alberto Alessi, an award-winning product designer and favorite of West's. He said, Revel in your glorious failures. Dance on the borderline between success and disaster, because that's where your next big breakthrough will come from. By the way, the Museum of Failure does not have a permanent site, but tours around the world. It's currently in Taiwan. And Samuel West welcomes suggestions for other items to include. You can send your ideas to info at museumoffailure.com. Today's episode is based on the article, The Museum of Failure Celebrates Flops and Fiascos, on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Dave Ruse. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hold up. 